When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, two abs wins in the books over the Arizona Coyotes. They knock off Arizona in Colorado 3-1 to one with a regulation win. Two days later, they go to Mullet Arena in Tempe for a 4-3 to three shootout win that probably got a little more interesting than it should have been, but four points are four points. They don't ask how. They just ask how many. And now all of a sudden, you look at the central standings, the Avalanche at 72 games played or at 92 points one point behind Minnesota with the game in hand and have the game in hand advantage over Dallas, who is also at 92 points. Yeah. Things are looking up for the abs. It was a, another successful week. Um, All games against the Arizona coyotes just bring out the worst production of hockey you'll ever see in your life. Like if you want to turn a fan into not wanting to watch hockey, just have them watch the abs play the coyotes because it is the same game. Every single time. Yeah, it is just a slog of a hockey game every single time. Even when the Coyotes play well, they're just executing their style of dragging a game down into the mud and slowing down the abs. I mean, Arizona, you got to give them credit. They just give the abs a lot of trouble, and they have done that for the last several years. And the abs, they had had to work for these games. And... They didn't always play perfectly. We can start with the first one in Colorado. This was probably the better one, I would say. This one f- just felt a lot easier. Yeah, felt a lot easier. Um, power play was clicking in this game. Defensively, they were rock solid. Kale McCarr was back in the lineup as well as Eric Johnson. So we we had like, I was texting you, was this the healthiest the abs have been like all year? <laughs> yeah, with those two guys coming back? Defensively, at least very close. Even without Manson back, you probably have to go back to October at the beginning of the season right. to really compare this to being a healthy defense. Yeah, it it was very funny. Um, it was a good game. I thought Eric Johnson looked good. Uh, he It's crazy to think that he had a broken leg and it recovered in six weeks. Like That's kind of crazy. Even, um, even he was surprised at how quickly yeah. he did. Like He said he could have started skating like a day after. Like He wasn't swelled up that bad. Like that's just... That's crazy to me, um, but he looked good. I, it's still when they said on the broadcast, he hasn't scored a goal this year. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, I feel like he has one or two, but yeah, he has zero goals. He had a couple good chances in this game, um, but he looked good. Kale McCarr was like, it, it was like, we didn't even miss a beat with Kale McCarr. Like the, the, the Kale McCarr we have come to know and love was back in full form in this game. I think he finished with three points in this game, right? He was a factor in all three goals. Yeah. 
He gets three points, two shots on goal, 25 minutes on the ice. I mean, it was just a vintage Kale McCarr performance where he is the best defenseman in the league and their coyotes really did not have an answer. No, he, I think you tweeted it out. He could have had a hat trick in this game. He really could have in the, in the like, second period. Yeah, he could. He was, he was buzzing, man. He was playing some really good hockey. Um, Nathan McKinnon gets a goal in this game too, in the first period on the power play, I believe. Um, okay. So Nathan McKinnon continues his goal streak or home point streak, excuse me. I think he's now the second longest one in Avs history yep. uh, behind Joe Sackett, who I think had 23. So do they, does he even have a chance to tie it? Do the Avs even have four more home games? They have Minnesota in the middle of the week, Dallas at the end of the week at home. They have four more home games. So he can tie it. So he, he can, can tie it. Tie it. Um, but the way he's been playing, that shot was just perfect. Great screen by JT Comfer in front. Um, gives the Avs a one nothing lead. And... It was very reminiscent of that game a couple weeks ago where it was like the abs are dominating, but you know the Coyotes are just going to luck their way into a goal. And uh, that's exactly what happened. They they found a way to get a goal. Uh, it was Clayton Keller, if I remember right. Um, there was just a, a, a simple breakdown, and it went in the back of the net. Like, that was the only dangerous chance the Coyotes had the entire first period, and it went in the back of the net. Yeah, you might even be able to extend that to the entire game as well. Yeah. I mean, Gerard falls down on this play, Schmaltz gets a nice setup to Clayton Keller. I mean, Clayton Keller, just because he's on the Coyotes, is getting tremendously underrated right now. Guy's 80 points in 74 games. I mean, he has been absolutely killing. What's he at 32 goals now, too? 36, even. 36, yeah. yeah. Like, and he's got four goals in his last three games. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Like, I, I hope the Coyotes find a way to make him work because with whoever they play, like, he's working right now with Nick Schmaltz and uh, high and, uh Jeez, wow, I am I am off. Barrett Heighton. Excuse me, man. I almost said Danton Heinen. I don't even remember. Who did he play for? The Penguins, right? He's on the Penguins right now. Yeah. They're, Jesus they're Christ. Both animal teams. Yeah, so. there we go. I was close. Uh, Barrett Heighton. Like, that line's working. It, it's the second most dangerous line in hockey since the All-Star break. Like, it's a good top line. Um, so it's working for him. I know the NHL doesn't have like a most improved player award, but I think Clayton Keller would have won this walking away this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause Tage Thompson would have won it last year. It's funny with Tage Thompson. Cause you can argue he can also win it this year. If that did exist just because of how ridiculous he's been, but Clayton Keller might almost like single-handedly be the reason these guys don't get Connor Bedard. That line will be the single reason why they don't get Connor Bedard because that line's a good hockey line. Like they, they're not nearly as good as the abs, but they are, they're freaking good. Like any, like how many other teams would that be the top line on their team in the West? Probably a couple of the bad ones at the very yeah. least. I mean, it's a very good line in the sense that when you play Arizona and the narrative surrounding this team ever since last season is this team is horrible and has no talent and is tearing it down to the the brick and mortar. To have a line like that that catches you sleeping more often than not has probably worked out a lot in their favor. And it happened in both of these games against Arizona where Clayton Keller just gets set up. It seems like the abs are caught napping and he has the talent to just finish it off. Damn good player. And I hope Arizona can find a way to keep them. And unlike everyone else, it seems like they've ever had, they're not just like, ah, too expensive and throw them out the door. Eventually they signed him to a pretty long-term contract and believe he's got six years left on a, a North of 7 million pucks, which for the, deal. for the coyotes might as well be a McDavid deal. <laughs> true. True. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, 
pretty much like the worst kept secret that Nick Schmaltz probably going to be traded this offseason. I still think he'd look damn good in an Avs jersey. Um, if JT Comfort doesn't work out, uh, it sounds like Evan Rodriguez has played his way into a pretty friendly, uh, nice little payday that he will get, probably not from the Avs. Uh, Nick Schmaltz would be fucking awesome on this team. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much the one line that had anything going for the Coyotes and the single-handed reason why this game was tied at one. Um, but we go into the second period. I, I, I thought the second period was extremely boring. I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) It was one of the most boring periods of hockey. I mean, the, the first period was very low event hockey. At least you got two goals out of it. I think the less you say about the second period, the better. I mean, the, yeah. the abs were the better team in the period. McCarr probably had the cleanest shot off the post that I've ever seen that almost oh. hit the ceiling afterwards and just embarrassed several coyotes to what was almost the goal of the year. But Vejmelka makes a very great save to, to stop him at the very last. He, second. he literally stopped it with his toe. Yeah. With his toe. Like if Kale gets that, centimeter to the oh, left yeah. that's in the net if Vejmelk is a split second behind there that pucks in the nets an incredible save from Vejmelka, but robs us of what probably would have been Kale McCarr at least his best goal of the season in a season where he's had several good ones yeah. and I'm even trying to think of anything else I Rantanen had a a late breakaway yeah it, it oh like- yeah they the abs had two breakaways Val hit the post on the shorthanded I forgot about that where he thought he scored um it was a period of bad luck for the Avs. I think they hit three posts in that period, um, which is pretty much just the Coyotes' mo whenever they play the Avs. Is just the the post is one of their best defenders. Yeah, it kind of feels like this is how it always goes against the Coyotes. Like the first period usually sucks unless the Avs just absolutely break it open. Then there's a point in time where the Avs they get two goals really quick, like they did in the third period in this game, in the second period in the second game against Arizona. But there's always a point in time where the the Coyotes are just hanging on by the skin of their teeth against the abs. And finally in the third period, the abs are able to break through. Kale McCarr finally gets rewarded. A massive shot gets through Vejmelka just before the halfway point of the third period to put the abs rightfully on top. Yeah. Rightfully on top. They gave the goal to Miko Rantanen. And I was like, there's just no way that hit Miko. Like, yeah. I watched the replay. I don't know what they were thinking. It would have been cool for Miko. Uh, but yeah, that was Kale McCarr's goal, and it was another power play goal. No, it wasn't power play. Excuse me, that was the JT Confer one. Um, but that top line woke up in the third period, and they really dominated. It was interesting. Uh, I don't know if you saw Bednar's comments afterwards because Val- Valerian Nachushkin these past two games has played with McKinnon and Rantanen, but his reasoning is spot on with it. It's like the Coyotes have a dangerous top line. We're going to make our top line as good as possible. And it worked <laughs> almost like he's a smart coach that knows how yeah. to match up against the teams he's playing. Cause you don't really have to worry about depth issues against the, right. the coyotes where you're worried about throwing Mulgan out there too much on the second line. It's... The depth for the coyotes is just not good. Like it, you play that top line with uh, McKinnon, Ranston and Achushkin, and they woke up in that third period. Uh, so that goal by Kel McCarr was massive. Um, he, it's crazy to think he missed two games. Like and he was just completely fine and just dominated this game. Yeah. Just, there was no reason to play him in those games. Maybe, maybe would have liked to see him against Pittsburgh, but if he's not a hundred percent at this point in the season, there's not a lot of point in pushing him further at that point. And 
I think the conversation around Kale McCarr is very interesting because he's worked his way back into the Norris talks, but I think we all know he's not going to win, even though for the last like week, the conversation has been Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the league. The PA poll had him at over 60% of players have him as the top defenseman in the NHL. He's been playing like the top defenseman in the NHL for the last several games. And it's really hard to make the argument that he's not the best defenseman in the NHL. Does that make you automatically worthy of the Norris? Do the injuries take him out of consideration? I think the injuries take him out. And it doesn't help that Carlson's probably going to hit 100 points. And that's just... We all know Kale McCarr is the best defenseman. It's just... Eric Carlson's had a better offensive season and he's for Eric Carlson stayed healthy all year, which has been the big bugaboo in his career. Uh, it kind of feels like when flurry won the Vesna, doesn't this kind of feel like that? Like Carlson's going to win the Norris again and be like, yeah, the old guy he won. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely make the case that Carlson deserves it. It's much, oh, yeah. less, much less of a two man race than the flurry Vasilevsky one was in the, the shortened season. I mean, what is what even is Carlson at? He has to be close to 100 right now. I think he's at like 93. He's at 90 right now with nine games left. So he needs 10 points over the last nine games to hit 100 points. And I think that is like the Sharks' lone concern yes. the rest of the season is you get Eric Carlson to 100 points. Yeah, that's the only thing they care about. He's going to play like 35 minutes a game. Yeah. <laughs> Every power play, he's just going to be out there. Um, but I think the reason is Kale won't win is because he hasn't played enough. I mean, his point per game is actually above what it was last year. Uh, I think Evan tweeted that out. Um, so he's he's ahead of where he was last year, but he's missed how many games? Like 10? Enough that people yeah. take it into consideration. Because points-wise, he's only one point behind Adam Fox and Rasmus Dahlin. He's at 64 points and only five points behind Quinn Hughes for second in the NHL. In terms of goals, he's at 17, fourth in the NHL behind Yossi Hamilton and Eric Carlson at 22. In a full season, I think it's a very interesting debate between McCarr and Eric Carlson, but I think McCarr might have probably edged him out a little bit if he stayed healthy. I think what hurt Kale McCarr too is there was like that month street, like month spam where it was literally just him and Devon Taves were the only defensemen healthy. and he had to focus on defense and his offensive numbers kind of dipped a little bit. Uh, we've seen when Kel McCarr at least even has a second pair of reliable defensemen, he is way more active offensively, um, taking way more chances and he's good enough. But when you're playing 32 minutes a night, obviously your offense game is going to drop a little bit. I think that hurt him a little bit, but yeah, we all know he's the best defenseman in the world. It, outside of the New York state area, everyone agrees it's Kel McCarr. Yeah. I think everyone knows deep down that it is Kale McCarr, even if they don't want to admit it quite yet. But it Kale McCarr is in this game against Arizona, absolutely dominated, has primary points on every single goal plus a goal himself. And then JT Comfort puts this game away on power play, set up on a Kale McCarr primary assist to make it 3-1 abs with under 10 minutes to play. And the Coyotes, they didn't have a ton of pushback in this third period. Like the last time we played the Coyotes, they only ended up with four shots in the third period. The Avs just kind of shut the door the rest of the way. Yeah, shut the door. Good for JT Confer. That's 16 goals for him on the year. I don't think he's going to get to 20 unless he gets hot near here at the end. But still, you're telling me at the beginning of the year, we'd get 15 plus goals from JT Confer. You'd take that every fucking day. So um, 
just a good power play goal. The power play in this game was two for three. It's coming to life at the right time. Uh, because for God, pretty much the entire month of February, it was dormant. Like it was, it was bad. Uh, now we're talking what eleven straight games with a power yeah. play goal, as the the Nachushkin goal in the second game against Arizona extended that streak yeah. again. I mean, we complained about the power play a little bit. I forget exactly which episode it was, but it was recent. We're like, eh, it was the Kings problem. game. Yeah, the, it was the Kings game, and it's been almost unstoppable ever since. They've it's coming together at the right time, thankfully. And the PK has been a lot better yeah. too. So the specialty teams for the abs is getting better, yeah. which is huge. They only had to kill one power play in this game against the Coyotes, but they did it all the same. And you end this game, Miko Rantanen coming down the wing. He's got goal 48 in his sights and fantastic defensive awareness by the referee who jumps right in his way and blocks it with his skate. Yep. which I cannot say I've seen before, which is just, of course it was Miko, right? It was, <laughs> yeah. it couldn't have been JT. It couldn't have been McKinnon. It has to be Rantanen. The guy who we've been talking about has such a personal beef with the officials this season. And now they're jumping in front of his shots and robbing him of a goal. You put the tinfoil hat on and you go, yep, this was planned. Like th- this was a conspiracy theory to block Miko from scoring. Um, very funny. Uh, it, it would, if this was like a one goal game, I think I would have been a lot more pissed about it, but we were still up two, and I think there was like a minute left in the game. So imagine uh, being a, a sports better of <laughs> non disclosed identity who has Miko Ranton an anytime goal scorer and the avalanche winning in a same game parlay. And all of a sudden the ref blocks a shot. <laughs> and then a few seconds later, Ranton gets hauled down, draws a power play. Yep. But they don't award him the goal, and you're just kind of sitting there like, I don't want to say who that was. but Did this hypothetical someone... person put more than 10 cents on that same game parlay? I do not have the information to answer that question <laughs> at this time. But hypothetically speaking, if somebody were to place that bet, they probably would have been a little frustrated. Yeah, I would have been too. But um Miko gets robbed of goal number 48. I still think he's going to hit 50. It would be very funny if he ends at 49 and we look back on that and he's robbed of a 50 goal. He's going to hit 50. It's also just, you look at the ref, like where are you? You would have been better staying in the middle. Right. There instead of jumping directly in the, like, did you just think he wasn't going to shoot on the empty net or something? Like, I don't know. I'm just going to give it to a brain fart for the ref. Like he yeah. just lost his absolute mind for a second and jumped in front of a live play with a wide open net. Probably never going to see that again. And I'm sure he got a couple of jabs in the ribs from his partners after that game being like, where are you going? But the Avs still end up with the win. They don't get the empty netter. They do get a power play out of it that they don't score on, which stops them from going two for two. They end the night two for three on a night where the power play was essentially perfect. Yep. And they win this first game against the Coyotes three to one. Not a good bounce back win after that loss to Pittsburgh. Yeah, not a ton to write home about, but a lot of the, the details were there. And they were patient in this game. It would have been very easy to get frustrated in this game, as we have in the past against the Coyotes where you're playing better than them. You know you're the better team, but just for some reason, the goals do not go in against these guys, no matter how well you're playing against them. They stayed with the process. Kale McCarr, and your best players have to be your best players. Kale McCarr helped carry them the way through. They shut them down the rest of the way. 
and they get ready for a rematch in Mold Arena where the Coyotes have won 20 of their 27 wins all season and where the Avs kind of got their asses kicked yep. last time out in late in late uh, December after the Christmas break. And this game was more frustrating. And for the first period, I legitimately don't think there's anything to talk about. It might have been the worst period of hockey I've seen all season. What not, was not, worse? Not from the Avs, but just in general, just a horrible game to watch. Wait, what was worse, the first period in this game or the second period in the in the game on Thursday or Friday? Oh, this, this one, not even close. Really? It's actually not <laughs> even a competition how bad this one was. At least in the other one, you had Kale McCarr ring one off the post, that beautiful wraparound attempt. Vizmelka had to make some saves. I legitimately cannot name an event that happened in this first period. And I, <laughs> and I watched the game six hours ago compared to the one against Arizona, which was on Friday as we're recording this on Sunday. I legitimately don't know what happened in the first period. There was nothing to talk about here. It's actually strange. There was a couple penalties. Uh, Kale McCarr had an elbow on Barrett Hayton, which you usually don't see a ton from with him. Two power plays to one, and neither of them did anything. Yeah, I mean, it's it it was a rough period to watch, um, but it was 0-0. And the thing, I don't know what it is about Mold Arena. Like, it's not just the abs who have struggled going in there. It, it's a lot of teams struggle yeah. going into the mullet. Like, it, it is secret, probably one of the better home ice advantages in the NHL this year. See, I have a theory, and I do not mean this as a backhanded insult or compliment. I think Mullet Arena works with the Coyotes system of dragging games down to sleep oh, yeah. so well. Because it's not a very loud arena. It's no. a, it's fun as an experience, but it's mostly away fans. And the home fans there know what type of team this is right now. I mean, we all make fun of Arizona fans. The ones that stick with this team are very smart. And they know what this team is right now. It's not a very loud arena. It's kind of hard to stay awake in a game like that especially when it's a team like Arizona, one of the bottom teams in the NHL. It's the middle of the week most of the time, and you're just you're sleeping through most of this Second game. half of back-to-back for a yeah. lot of teams. You're not taking it seriously, and you just get Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz <laughs> to just put up a couple of points against you, and all of a sudden you're walking out of there with a loss. And I, I, that was really one of the takeaways I had from this game. was like, this game is boring, and no offense, but like this arena is dead. It's dead, but also like there were by far more Avs fans there than Coyotes yeah. fans, which has been the case for a lot of Arizona games. Arizona really is the Avs' second home. Yeah. So like it, it is, it is a uh, it, like Arizona is basically a hotel for away fans at this point. Yeah. Every Coyotes game you watch, there's an abundance of Pittsburgh fans and yep. Blues fans and Avs fans. Every team that comes into that building, they probably have the same idea that we've had. Like, we're going to go see a game in Arizona just because it's in it's Arizona. Arena. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle of the winter, you want to go to Arizona and be somewhere warm. I, yeah. I did it during the COVID shortened season. I, it was a great vacation. <laughs> and we got to watch two Avs games. So, yeah. like, I, I really enjoyed it. The Avs are, they were, I don't know if you want to say lucky to win this game. But they got they, away with it. Yeah. Like if this is if you put that effort against Minnesota or Dallas, you're going to get your ass kicked. Yeah. Um. So we go into the second period after the most boring first period of all time. Uh, Miko Rantanen actually converts on a wraparound, uh, unlike Kale McCarr could do. Poor Connor Ingram. Like think about the goals he's given up to the Avs. Like 
he just he has bad luck. I remember that one in game three where he just totally flubbed the puck and gave it right to Nazem Kadri for an open net. This one, he almost clears the puck. I don't know how Miko kept it in. I really don't. It like hit him in the helmet, and then Rantanen's the only guy that knows where this puck is. Ingram doesn't know where it is. The guys are supposed to be covering Rantanen don't know where this puck is. And Ingram realizes it too late. He just wraps it into a wide open net. Now there's 48 for Miko Rantanen, a game after he probably should have had 48. So all's well that ends well. The abs are up one to nothing. And they... They played very well for the rest of the second period. Just a minute later, Bo Byram finishes off a Logan O'Connor shot, and it's two to nothing. It's just what the Avs kind of do. Uh, they just pour on goals really quickly, and it's most of the time against the Coyotes that they, they shut them down for most of the game. Then they get one thing, and it's another, and it's just how quickly can the Coyotes stop the bleeding before this gets too out of hand. They stop it at two, and the Avs go into the third period with a two nothing lead. They're in a good spot. They were out shooting the coyotes pretty, pretty handily at this point after having only five in the first period, which I believe is the lowest shot total they've had in a first period or any period for that matter. Almost all season long, they finished the second period with 18 and going into the third period, you're feeling fine. This is what we, this is what we mean that the, they kind of got away with one in this, the third period was bad, really bad. Really bad, um, but I, I think that's just the abs have shown over this year, like when they're playing bad teams, they they can take their foot off the gas, and they've done it with a lot of them. Like I think back to the the first Anaheim game where they were up, I think they were up by two goals, and they just took their foot off the gas, and all of a sudden you blink your eye and you're down 4-3. Uh, they have a habit, and I don't blame them. I mean, like they are the superior team to the Coyotes. They are. I mean, it, it's what, what Bednar said, I think, a couple of weeks ago at this point. is like when you're playing Tampa in the Stanley Cup final and those are like the most intense games of your life, the next season, it's really hard yeah. to get up for all of these games time after time again. And they played decently in the middle 20 of this game. I don't even think they played bad in the first 20 minutes of the game. It was just such a boring slog fest. I'm surprised they even came out for the second. And in the third period, like things just quickly fell apart but they managed to at least hold on and prevent a complete disaster you go through the the third period here the the coyotes like since it began just absolutely dominated this period Mateus Maselli gets them on the board about half he's through. good too he's, he's gonna good. be good I mean the coyotes when you have this many draft picks yeah. eventually you're gonna start to hit on some of these guys Maselli is a very good pickup for them that if they keep them will probably be a strong addition to that team for quite a while. But realistically, as we look at a very long rebuild, probably going to end up somewhere else in the next couple of years if he fetches them a first-round pick. But this was a very good play. He gets past Byram, blocked by McKinnon. He beats Georgiev on the well, He didn't just side. get past Byram. He he he. he, he he took his jock strap. Like he, he made Byram look silly on this play. I'm trying, I'm trying to be nice to my boy, but yeah. Byram, he, he has a, he has a goal in this game. He's up to yeah. eight on the season. We did kind of just brush over that. He's had his struggles over the last couple of games. I think this is a very good reminder that as much as we gush about Bo Byram, he is still young and he is going to be learning a lot of these things. He's going to get beat on a lot of things. I don't love the Byram Gerard pairing. I never have. But it's doing. They're too a, similar in play style. Yeah, it, that, that's the thing. Byram and Gerard work on this team because they have such good foils to them on their pairs. 
when Manson's back and EJ's back, it just makes sense to be playing those guys with both of those guys. But when just Manson is out and you have EJ back. But you're uh, not going to stick Byram with Jack right. Johnson. That's And that's my point. Like you're not yeah. sticking like Gerard and Jack Johnson is worse. Like we've yes. tried that before. It's it's not good. And Byram and Jack Johnson just doesn't work. You might as well just have the the Johnson and Johnson pair back together from last year, which is fine as a third pair. And you just hope that Byram and Gerard can do the job well enough that they've had their moments for sure in these last couple of games together where it's just these two just, they don't work together. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not not everything does. Yeah. And and Gerard and uh, McCarr don't work necessarily that great either. Like yeah. it's just it's just what happens sometimes. See, this is why Gerard sucks, Christian. Because yeah, everyone like, he plays with sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's not that they suck. It's just I, I think when you have two players who are both um, want to jump up in the play, it's going to lead to some defensive break. And these guys haven't played a lot together. Like yeah. it's just I think this is a good experience for them because if they do get stuck out there in the playoffs, like you can do that. Um, but yeah, they they they're probably my least favorite pair. But you, you got to have the, they're both top four defensemen. You have to play them as top four roles. Yeah, because um, like you so, have both of these guys who have the mindset of I am a skilled defenseman. I'm going to hop up in this play. And you have these two guys that don't play super often with each other. It's going to lead to a lot of miscommunications, a lot of breakdowns. They play a full season together. They'd iron they, it out and figure it out. They probably have Byram staying back a little bit more. But that's just not the case. And you're just holding down the fort until Manson comes back whenever that is, hopefully in the next couple of games, maybe even as soon as Minnesota, hopefully. Doubtful. No chance. Doubtful. I'm being I'm being very yeah. optimistic. <laughs> but once you have your defense healthy, these guys are not going to be playing together. And they're going to look just fine on their other pairings. At least we certainly hope. But it's it hasn't been pretty. And then not even a minute after this goal, uh, this this was just an ugly play by the abs it's a really bad line change mckinnon just they just miss miko rantanen and rantanen fumbles that they're trying to get back it leads to the possession in the other zone the coyotes catch them on the change and I, I did not know this guy was real uh kessel ring i yeah, number five never seen him until Let me be honest, i thought i thought it was phil kessel for a second i, I did too i saw <laughs> kessel, I was like, i've leaned really close like what this no this is hurting my brain too much i'm not gonna think too much about this and he finds christian fisher past everyone and just beats Georgiev on a breakaway and all of a sudden goes from two nothing the tide and you're like fucking these goddamn coyotes they are still nine minutes left in this around. game fuck <laughs> yeah there's plenty of time left the coyotes are playing really well it's always the yotes you're in mullet arena now all of a sudden you're worried about even getting a point out of this game but pretty much right after the coyotes get this goal they take a penalty put the abs on the power play. Miko Rantanen finds Val Nachushkin all alone in front. He puts it in past Ingram to give the abs the lead. And you're like, okay, you stop the bleeding. You're back. You're woken up. You got momentum on your side. Power play comes through at a big moment. And the abs have the lead And very nice play by Miko Rantanen to find Val Nachushkin. Chris, 15th goal of the season. Yeah. With how much time he's missed, he's probably on pace for like a 20, 25 goal season. Uh, probably like, 65 70 points too like I mean, we are really underrating val right now because yeah. he, well, he suffered with a lot of stuff early in the season and midway through the season and even when he was back just couldn't find his rhythm it was he went several games without points most of the time 
And ever since the All-Star break, he's been phenomenal. I think he's had I think he's had three games since the 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 second Tampa game where he went without a point. He's been absolutely brilliant in this last little bit. And if this is the value you're getting in the playoffs, another reason for the West to be like, what the how are these guys still here? How are they doing this? And we've we've seen it with Val. And we talked about it on the episode before these two games. I think I brought it up. I was like, to get the best out of Val with the lineup right now, you have to play him with McKinnon or Rantanen. Um, that's not a slight against Val, but he needs those playmakers on his line to create offense. And when he has those playmakers, look what he's done these past two games. Like he is a difference maker. Um, he is basically like, would you say he's, how close would you say he is to Gabe Landeskog play skill wise? I think he's close, but they also serve a different role. I look at Lekkanen more of like a, a Landeskog replacement just because Val has carved out such a unique role on this team that is similar to Gabe, but also different at the same time. But you throw him into Gabe's role and he he does it just fine. I mean, yeah. no one can bring what Landeskog brings because that guy's a monster, but Val is... I don't even know how to describe him in comparison to Gabe. Like they just fit their roles on the team very well. And Val has turned into, would you say he's the biggest steal in the NHL considering how we got him? Yeah, I'd say him or Tage Thompson. Yeah. Tage is a good one, but he was also, he was also like a throw in in the O'Reilly trade. Right. So it's like, I mean, for what we paid for Val, what he's turned into is a steal. But also, like, it's tough to say a steal when you're a 10th overall pick. You know right. what I mean? But, like, he, he played in the KHL after scoring zero goals for Dallas. Yeah. and comes back here, and what were our expectations for him? The Maybe. I remember when we first got him, I was like, I want him to score a goal. <laughs> like, yeah. one goal. And then he could go yeah, away. Exactly. That was the expectation. We want to see this guy put a puck in the net. And that's it. I remember the conversation at the time being like, why are we even doing this? You're taking away minutes from a lot of the guys you've been developing for a guy who had taken away time from Tyson Jost. Yeah. It takes <laughs> away time from Tyson Jost for a guy who does not do anything as we've seen in the NHL level, a guy who's just a black hole offensively. Why are we doing this? And now he's turned into this team does not function without him in the lineup. And especially when he's healthy and rolling again, like we saw this season, the team does not do well without him. It's him and Devon Taves are like the two most important people. Um, because honestly, like if Kale McCard doesn't have the playoffs he does last year, would you say Val's probably a front runner for the con Smythe? There was the thing about the, yeah, they had so many good players last year. <laughs> <Yeah. morning. laughs> playoffs McCard. are good, but like you could argue it was Val McKinnon. Yeah. Like it was Val McKinnon and McCarr. Gabe had a crazy run to like they had. It's funny that Miko was like, you could consider one of the worst players for the ads right. in the playoffs last year. And yeah. he still had like 12 points. Yeah. And like he really came on like in the second half of that run where it's yeah. like in Nashville, he didn't have a lot. He had an empty net goal against St. Louis. He didn't score his first goal on a goalie until Edmonton. Yep. Yep. It, it's very funny. Um, but yeah, Valentin gets his 15th of the year in this game. Probably one of the bigger steals for the Avs um, in recent memory, like a, a waiver wire pickup. So um, he gets his 15th. You're thinking everything's going smooth. Uh, um, but those damn Coyotes, man, that guy Clayton Keller. I know you were you were 
not as disappointed with this goal as I was. I, I think this was a, a little bit of a weak goal that Georgiev gave up. No question it is. Like, that's not a goal you want to see go in. But that's also such a great shot from Clayton Keller where he just, you're not expecting that shot as a goalie. You're never expecting that shot to happen. He did it so quickly, wrapped it around so quickly and just fired it right through. I mean, he, you've seen his body language. He wasn't ready. You want your goalie to make that save, but it's a great heads up play by Clayton Keller to put him, put it through him. All of a sudden that game's tied up. The only hold, you only hold on the lead for about three minutes. It's a great play. You want your give to make that save, but you also don't really pin this this game going to overtime on him that much, especially considering the effort in front of him. Yeah, no, I mean it. It was, it was a good shot by Clinton Keller. I would have loved to save there, um, but I mean Clinton Keller, thirty six goal of the year. That dude's gonna get to forty, and that's crazy. Yeah, um, going to overtime. Not I mean, a whole lot. Even on Clayton Keller, if that guy's on a good team, he probably has a hundred points. Like, well, without a doubt. Like that's the level we're talking about here with Clayton Keller in the season he's having. If he's not single-handedly propping up the Coyotes, if he was on a good team, a first line, a good like, let's say he was on the Avs. Is he had a hundred points. Like, I think probably I like hundred and ten. Might be worth having that conversation on Clayton Keller. But yes, this game, you're a little worried at this point because again, the Coyotes have the momentum and they're continuing to push, and you're just like, just get it to overtime first let's just get to overtime and get a point out of this and worry about the rest later they do just that they drag this game to overtime again a very boring overtime which is starting to become a trend in these three on threes for the abs they haven't had a lot of very interesting ones lately the edmonton one was fantastic but the the tampa one was terrible and this one against the coyotes was pretty boring as well uh, best chance came from Kale McCarr as he tried to drag his way through several guys, just couldn't finish it off on Ingram. McKinnon had a one-timer late. Just seemed like they were so hesitant to shoot in this overtime for whatever reason. The Coyotes, they only had one shot on goal the other way, so it's not like they they blew this one. But they just seemed kind of hesitant for whatever reason or the next, and we end up going to a shootout. And what... Um... The shootout was a long one. How much did you hate that shootout? It was seven rounds. That was really frustrating. This game, especially after the Keller goal, the third period on was just frustration incarnate where you're up two to nothing. Yeah, it's the Coyotes, a team you've struggled against, but you really shouldn't have this much of a problem holding on the lead. You get a goal and you still can't hold on to that lead. This game goes to overtime. You have your guys with good chances, just extra pass too many, and the ones you do get off, Ingram's making great saves on you. Go to a shootout, and it is seven rounds of no one can put this damn thing in the net, and people are still refusing to. They're passing up good shots in the (laughs) shootouts where you don't have a defenseman in front of you. Thank God for Val Nachushkin and that unbelievable goal because that was torture that was a torturous i i was i was watching the shootout on my phone and like i was just waiting because like the abs moves in the shootout like mckinnon had a good chance i didn't love like i I know evan rodriguez had some cool goals to start it but we gotta stop with yeah he had two nice goals and has not come even close since right um his was bad Miko's was he just lost the puck weak and 
if it wasn't for Georgiev, uh, I forget the stat, but he's like third in the league now in uh, save percentage in the shootouts, um, which is hilarious that the Avs have gone to that many shootouts. But um, yeah, I don't know what some of these moves were by the Avs in the shootout. I really don't. Yeah, you go seven rounds in this, and each time I'm thinking, like, sure, you are smart enough to to shoot this puck, right? Kale McCarr just misses on his attempt entirely. I don't even remember Comfer or Mulgan's attempts. They were they were there. They shot the puck, at least. They forced him to make a save. But it felt like as it was going on, the Coyotes very quickly started to run out of options once they were past Schmaltz and Keller and Hayton. Like they're throwing Christian Fisher out there and Lawson Krause. It, the first couple of shootout attempts, Georgiev had to make some pretty nice saves on. Yeah. The other ones were not that challenging all that much. But still, like if you give them enough chances, eventually one's going to go in if you can't finish. So thank God for Val and that ridiculous move past Connor Ingram to to save this game and what needed to be two points for the abs to be up two to nothing going into that third period. You could not let this game slip away. Not at this time, not in the race that you're in. And considering the games you have coming up this weekend, you need all of those points you can get. Hey everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at draft Kings sportsbook. Are you ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the apt, opt-in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. We've already seen plenty of upsets happen so far in March Madness as we reach the Sweet 16. All the more reason to get in on the action at DraftKings Sportsbook. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets Instantly win or lose. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. I think we both said like this was a game that we wouldn't be shocked if we lost. Uh, because the Coyotes just play the Avs tough, and you, and you get all four points against them, which is huge. Um, and I have that stat. It was actually AJ that tweeted it out. Um, goalies and shootouts uh, like who have played in at least three shootouts. Jeremy Swayman leads with an 800 save percentage. Georgiev is at a point or 79.3 and he leads the NHL uh, stopping 23 of 29 shootout shots this year. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Take a guess. Take a guess. Who's tied for third. I I have it up in front of me now. Oh, damn it. Spoilers. But I was, the words coming out of my mouth, like, wow, that's so funny. You have four goalies tied for third in the league in terms of, of save percentage between Thompson, Hart, Phoenix Copley, and Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, very funny. Very, yeah, all the same caliber of goalie, obviously. 100%. Definitely Phoenix Copley and Andre Vasilevsky are tied at something, which yeah. is – if you're Phoenix Copley, like that's a stat you print out and fucking like your kids see that. Like, hey, oh, yeah. 
one of the best goalies in the world. I was I was tied with him one year. You frame, you frame <laughs> that in gold. You put that up in your office. Like, uh, the abs, they get out of here. Like I said, you don't ask how. You just ask how many. With two points, you can overlook a lot of things. These Coyotes games are always a slog, and they're always frustrating. The fact that you finish the season against the Coyotes with winning the last three games after getting your ass kicked in the first one in Arizona, you win the last three. Two of them go past regulation. The other one, you win three to one. These are tough games, and I know you look at them like, oh, these are games the Avs have to win. It's Arizona. you got to beat them. You've seen Arizona steal a lot of points from a lot of teams lately, and at some points that's been the Avs as well against bad teams. So games like this and wins like this are the ones that certainly help make up the difference for what was a lot of bad losses earlier in the season. I I got a question for you. Would you rather the Avs play – like who would you want to face least? an Arizona team in the playoffs or a team coached by John Tortorella in the playoffs? I mean, I'd rather play. I mean, if we're playing the Flyers and John Tortorella, I'd rather play them. But that would be the most boring hockey of all time to watch. I feel like we can handle the Flyers. Like John Tortorella is not the defensive mastermind that I think everyone makes him out to be. He's just, he, he gets a lot out of his guys and it gets old fast. Even that, like the Coyotes, They'd get one. We we did this a couple of we years. We did do this. We did got, do this. I just got one, but I just think it would be such a boring hockey game to watch. It it'd be like, how did you watch Barry Trotz all those years? Like every time I watch Barry Trotz coach, like it, it is the like it's hockey at its purest form, but also it is some of the most boring hockey to watch of all time. If the Capitals did not assemble the teams that they had, it would have been torture. If they did not have the greatest offensive player of all time balancing out the Barry Trotz system, it probably would have been a lot worse to watch. I mean, Barry Trotz went out of his way to make sure that team was as least offensive as possible. And even still, they found ways to put up like five goals a night still. Yeah, I don't know. I I just think like... Playing Arizona would just be such a boring series. Like it, it, it'd be stressful. Yeah, but oh my god, that would be brutal. But we're done with Coyotes for the year. Good um, thing is we don't have to worry about the Coyotes in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think for like five years. At five minimum. years, at but minimum, minimum. Even minimum. if they get Bedard, not gonna happen. But minimum five years. Um, we move on. We got another game against just a fantastic hockey team. Uh. Really just a major look-ahead spot for the Avs in this game against Anaheim. Um, Anaheim's coming off of getting just their shit kicked in by St. Louis on Saturday night. Um, I I don't have a great feeling about this game. but It, it just screams like a major look-ahead spot for the Avs. The thing I, have, I think about this game is bet the over. This is going to probably be a pretty high-scoring game. The Ducks have lost five of their last six or six of their last seven, excuse me. And they've lost four in a row, losing to Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, and St. Louis. This game, like JoJo's playing again. He had a solid game against the Senators last time out. The Avs put up like an okay performance in front of him, and he was able to, to save their bacon at the last second. Against the Ducks, they have guys that can score, but there is... Nothing of the sort that stops goals from going in the net other than John Gibson, who against the Avs 
is just for some reason the greatest goalie anyone has ever put on the ice. So that would be my hesitation is just John Gibson's always awake against the abs. That man is never sleeping when he plays this team. I don't think he's going to play. I think they're going to go with the other guy. I mean, he I, gave up six goals against fucking St. Louis in the last start. Like I, I, I'm maybe that's just wishful thinking that he doesn't play, but um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't play. I mean, I would certainly like it if he didn't play, but I think with his record against the Avs or his track record, at least that they're, they're probably going to throw him out there at least a little bit. I think it's going to be a pretty high scoring game unless John Gibson shuts the door the rest of the way. Cause th- this is trap game central for the hundred percent. You, you predicted that this would probably be the game that the Avs lose going into the Minnesota and Dallas part of the schedule. I mean, you really think about it. You were just played last night. Now you're hitting the road to play in Anaheim the next night, at least. So it's at least it's not like a get a couple more hours of rest, but you have Minnesota in two days after this. And what is probably going to end up when all is said and done, be your biggest game of the season, depending on how the Dallas result shakes out as well. One of those two is going to be your biggest game of the season, if not both. So this is probably going to be a pretty tough one to stay up for. and But even still, if you don't win this game, you're, you kind of have to win both of those against Minnesota and Dallas. You do, but I I just, I got a bad feeling about this game against Anaheim. I really do. Like, it's, I don't know what it is about, it, it's, we have to lose one of these games again eventually, right? Like we can't go undefeated in this. Like what'd we say? There were 12 games they have to win. I know they still have a bunch like three or four after, but this just seems like the most obvious loss for me. Of well, it. I think to be fair, we also have the ducks on the second half of back-to-back again, towards the end of the season where we put, we're in LA the night before for oh. what, probably going to be a tough game. And then two hours or for some reason, like, 6 30 mountain time you're playing the ducks that next day that could definitely be one of them as well yes but also i mean you look at what the abs did in the third period of this game they got away with it and rantanen very much said we need to be better they usually make good on those promises and that's my hope for this game that the ducks just aren't very good and even if the abs aren't giving it their best even if john gibson is playing They'll find a way to get some pucks through. And even if it's an ugly, ugly win, like this one was against the Coyotes, like you just got to get them however you can. It doesn't need to be 6 nothing. You just doesn't gotta... need to be 6 nothing. But I, I also think back to that Anaheim. Remember some of the saves Gibson made in like the last two minutes of that game? Yeah. I mean, the, the Anaheim game was Gibson playing probably the best game of the season for himself. Well, I think he still gave up four goals in that game, yep. didn't he? And he did. then Frankie having one of the one of his worst games of the season. He gave up three goals in that game. Uh, Gibson did. So that all had to come together at the same time for the Ducks to be able to mount that comeback. But the Ducks have talent and you do have to take them seriously. Even if they are losing a lot of games right now, you can't just get lost before you play Minnesota. Can't get lost. Um, I still think the abs win this game. I, I think it's I think they win it. Five four in overtime. I, I think this is gonna be another overtime game. I, I just, I I think the Avs. It's either going to be the Avs blow them out or it's going to overtime. Yeah. Like there's no in between. This is not going to be like a one goal game. 
I think it's going to be a close game. I think they're going to take it in regulation. I think it's probably, I think we're going to have a very similar experience where the abs are going to be up in the third period. And then the ducks probably going to score two, maybe to tie it or cut the lead to one. And it's going to be pretty tense the rest of the way. I think they get an empty net goal to put this one away. I'm going to say they wrap this one up five to three in regulation and what's going to probably be a, an uncomfortable game, but there's going to be a late out. night game. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's not feeling great, but I do think the abs still win. It's just going to be um, a little bit tighter than I think we'd like. I'd love for the abs just to win six fucking nothing. And yeah, then we can just go into cruise control uh, for the rest of the, that, that third period. But I, I just think it's going to be a little bit closer of a game. Man, that'd be fantastic because on Wednesday you are hosting the Minnesota wild who ever since the all-star break really don't lose a lot of games, especially in regulation since the all-star break or they, they came out of the all-star break really bad where they lost three in a row in regulation. Since then they've lost twice in regulation. One of that was to the apps in mid February where Georgiev stood on his head and Mark Andre Fleury had a terrible game. Since then their only other regulation loss is to Boston who Kind of does that to a lot of teams. Nothing to really be ashamed of with that. Since then, they've lost their the odd overtime shootout game. They lost to Toronto, Calgary, Arizona in overtime, and recently lost to Philly. They struggled against the Blackhawks on Saturday and really had to pull that one out late with a, a goal from Zuccarello or Hartman. That ended I can't up, remember. I, I know Reeves scored in that game. Yeah, which is annoying. He's on a <laughs> massive scoring streak. He was up to like five on the season or something. And they pulled that one out against Chicago three to one. They're going to play the Kraken on Monday. I think there's starting to be some chinks in the defensive armor for the wild over the last little bit. Cause if this game was two weeks ago, I I'd probably be a little concerned, a lot more concerned about this one with how well they've been playing, but even without Kaprizov, they've just, they found ways to keep winning. And right now they are the top team in the central division. The abs have the game in hand and the better points percentage, but right now the wild have a one point lead and that loss to Philly. I don't know if they just weren't up for that game, but they end up giving up four to the flyers and lose five, four in a shootout. And they had a hard time putting Chicago away. They went to overtime in a game. They won at the last second against New Jersey. The, they, they, they beat up the caps pretty bad last week, but the caps still found a way to get some pucks through and they had that 8-5 game against the Blues, the Bennington meltdown game. Like they, There was a stretch where they were playing pretty perfect defensive hockey, but if the Avs are awake for this game, which there is no reason to not be awake for this game, like this is the one. This is the biggest game of the season until Dallas in a few days, but this is the biggest game of the season. Do you think Minnesota goes flurry again? I mean, I'd have to look at the head-to-head, but Gust- Gustafson's been really good, and Flurry has been really good as well. The Avs have beat both of them. Gustafson played the first game against the Avs in October. He was terrible. Ever since then, he's been great. Flurry played the, the game against the Avs in uh, February. He was terrible, and since then has been great. I don't know who they're going to end up playing in this game, but I don't think the Avs are... I don't think they can rely on the other goalie just having a shit night this time because no. that's kind of that's kind of how it worked the last couple of times where they just saw some awful goals go in the net and their goalie at least played well enough to win and that ended up being the difference in especially the second one Wild were probably the better significantly team. better than the Abs 
also second half of a back-to-back important to note there too but that still did happen yeah it, it's this is going to be a really fun game it sucks that it's the tnd tnt second half game because you know that game's not going to get started till 8 45 um we're gonna have to be up late you're gonna need to drink some caffeine because it's gonna be even later for you than for me um I agree with you that Minnesota is showing some cracks in the armor uh, with their defensive hockey, which they've been fantastic defensively all year. They really have. But the way McKinnon and Ranson are going right now, um, I still think without Kaprizov, like, and the Avs are going to have last change in this game. Um, unless Fleury Augustuson has a big game, I think the Avs win this game like 4-1. I, I really think the Avs are going to show up for this game. I like that, especially since Kaprizov has been out. I'm giving them credit for winning games, but the teams they've played since that Winnipeg game, San Jose, Arizona, St. Louis, Boston, the game they lost. Also, they did lose Arizona. They played Washington, who's, as I can attest to, not very good right now. And they had a decent win against the Devils. I didn't get to watch that game. I just know they won at the last second. And then but the Devils are kind of fading. Yeah, the Devils are kind of tapering off lately. They, they clinched the playoffs last night. They're in but they've been kind of limping the last little bit. They're not the same devils of even last month. So their schedule is not super impressive without Kaprizov, but they're they're finding ways to get the job done. Seattle, Colorado, and then a home-and-home home against Vegas, I think is really going to test the mettle of this wild team. And I think this test against the Avs, I don't want to sound cocky, but it might be a little more than they're ready for without Kaprizov. Kaprizov is good for a goal a game. Against every single time that man is good for a goal a game. It seems like he scores every time we play the wild. If Kaprizov was in this game, I think it's a lot closer, but I just think the abs are going to get up for that game and they're going to have a really good game. And I think the abs having last change, you're going to see Kale McCarr and Devon Taves playing against Zuccarello, Boldy um, and Hartman. Like I think you're going to see that. Yeah. And the wild mean they have good depth. They've they made some good trades at the deadline, and a lot of the guys they've brought in this season have have worked out for them. It's, it's a good team. I think it's going to be a fantastic and tight game. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two to one. I think this is going to be a, a tight tight game. Not a lot of scoring. I think both goalies are going to play fantastic. Georgiev's obviously going to get the start in this game, and if it is Flurry or if it is uh, Gustafson, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. Either way, I think Flurry is is due for a good game against the Avs with how he's played them the last several times. And Gustafson is he's a nine thirty two on the season. He's, he's been, been good. He's been really really good for them. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Avs star power is going to take hold of this game. I think you're going to see Kale McCarr have a big night and. Nathan McKinnon's on that point streak at home right now. He's good for one at the very least. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think the abs are going to narrowly edge it out. I don't even think we're going to see a goal in the third period. Like I think this is just going to be a very good playoff appetizer where we're all going to feel the intensity and we're going to get a very nice warm up for what well, it's probably going to be like in three weeks. I think it's going to be very similar to the Toronto game. Like the abs played a perfect defensive game against Toronto. Uh, they, Obviously, Kale McCarr is important because I think they probably could have done that against Pittsburgh if they had the opportunity to uh, with Kale McCarr. But I, I think this is going to be a really strong defensive effort from the Avs. I, I just I don't see the Wild being able to score 
on the abs in this game. If Kaprizov was playing, completely different story. Like, but I, I just don't think they have the offensive talent in this game going into Colorado. Like, pro- it will be for first place in that game, assuming both teams win, uh, win even, their games. Even if we win and the Wild lose on Monday, that's a one point difference still. So for that moment, unless I don't Dallas, I don't think Dallas plays until Tuesday. So I still, yeah, they play Tuesday against Chicago. Yeah. So that game for Minnesota is going to be for first in the division at the moment. The one thing that concerns me is the, the age old mantra. It's hard to beat the same team three times. And this is the last time we play the wild this season. We've beaten them twice. It's really hard to, to sweep a season series against a team like Minnesota, but in this game without Kaprizov, I, I think this is going to be a vicious game. Not a lot of goal scoring. A lot of guys are going to get into it because they know that this is probably the team they're going to play in the first round if Dallas does win that division, which is it's anyone's division. It's anyone's. It's literally a coin flip. You know what I think? I th- I'm being influenced by Tampa Boston a couple of days ago where they, they're fighting 10 seconds in because they know they're probably going to play in the second round. And they're just sending the message to each other. It's a two to one win for Boston. The last goal comes in the second period. I I envision something pretty similar in this game. Yeah, I just don't know why. I just have a really good feeling about that game. I really do. I, I have a good I, I have a good feeling too. I just think it's gonna be brutal. I it's gonna be a brutal game, but I just think the Avs depth is better than the Wild at this point right now. I think, I, think, I think with injuries, maybe that edge switches to Minnesota a little bit. But you put Landis Gog, you put Lekkinen back in there. Rodriguez is back. That's worth mentioning yeah. as well. He had a couple of chances. I think depth-wise, you like the Avs more. Lines three through four, you like. But even without Kaprizov, the Wild are still icing a very good team. So I, oh. now that I'm saying it out loud, I agree with you. The Avs have that advantage. Depth-wise, lines three through four, but it's close. Closer than it should be. Closer than it should be, but I just – I really think the Avs are going to get up for this game, um, and they are going to have a very good game, and I think they're going to to win this game. I, I think it's like 2-1 going into the third, and then the Avs get like a late power play goal and then get an empty netter. Like I don't think it's going to be like 4-1 going into the third. I think it's going to be like 2-1 going into the third, but the Avs' talent is just going to catch up, and they're, they're going to – you're going to see the difference in this game. Yeah. Um, so I feel good about that one. I really do. Yeah, I think it's a very exciting game, depending on where Dallas is in the standings on Saturday, a, game, a whole different game that we'll talk about on Thursday. But this is this is the big one in the regular season, at very least. I mean, even for the Dallas game, we don't hate Dallas as much as Minnesota. Like Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota is the yeah. rival. Like we don't like Dallas. But it's Minnesota. It's, it's true. This is the team you want to beat every single time. It's going to be a vicious game. And I think the Avs are going to get the job done. I think they, my only concern is much like Pittsburgh, they've been eating greedy against bad teams and they need to figure it out early in this one. They You can't come out sleeping. Nope. Can't come out sleeping. And I, I don't think they will. I think they've had their wake up calls. Um, th- this is the biggest, like we've said it like 10 times, this is the biggest game of the year until Saturday. And then that's the next biggest game of the year. So I don't think the boys will have any trouble getting up for this one. Uh, I think this may be the game we see Miko get 50. I certainly hope so. I mean, he's, he's so close and it's going to be awesome when he finally does. I I hope it's at least in one of those two games against, I think it will be Minnesota or Dallas. If he pots one against Anaheim, he's got, he's got two games to hit 50 at home against those guys. 
And then after that, like we talked about San Jose, San Jose, both in San Jose, then you have the Kings, which is a tough one. Then Anaheim, you're finishing against Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Nashville. If you win both those games against Minnesota and Dallas, it's your division to to lose at that point. Your division, I think even you get three or four points in that. Even I, even still, like losing any of those games is going to be a tough pill to swallow because you know that there are people that are looking at these, and maybe even rightfully so, as playoff previews. So if you lose one, it's like, ah, Avs aren't playoff ready. And so that's the discussion of the night. I think it's a fair point, but I, I really think the Avs are going to take advantage of this game. And I, I think they're going to win big. Um, but we'll have to wait and see because the Western Conference, we gave it a lot of shit. It's it's turning out to be pretty good. I'm watching the Kings game as we're recording. Me Dude, too. the Kings are the Kings are legit, man. Like I know they, they scored five goals on Justin Wolf or whatever his name is for St. Louis, but they're a good team, man. And the Pacific Division is going to be very fun to watch. Yeah. Same with the Central. Like I think there's four good teams in the Pacific. I think there's a little bit of a drop off between once you get past Edmonton. Like Seattle's good, but they aren't on the same tier as those top three in the Pacific. I mean, you can say the same for the Central. Like I think the Jets are the fourth best team out of the three in the Central. But those are going to be some awesome playoff series. Yeah. Um, and the the Kings are legit, dude. Like. The Kings are fucking good. Yeah, I mean, right as you said right now, they're up 5-1 to one after the first period against St. Louis. They have not lost a regulation game since late February against the Rangers. Their only two losses in their last 10 have been in shootouts to Nashville and Vancouver, which you can always just chalk those up as flukes at that point. Like, they're hot at the right time. They're scoring goals, too. They've only had one game since that loss to the Rangers or where they scored less than two. And that was the loss to Nashville two to one. They're putting up goals and they're getting saves. Like that's been the problem with the Kings is they just haven't gotten saves, but they've been scoring a lot of goals. They're scary. They're a good team. And Edmonton I'm, versus them is going to be a great first. That round is a, if that matches. Yeah, up. It's so interesting. Cause I'm usually like against immediate playoff rematches just cause I like to see new matchups in the playoffs the most two interesting series that we have right now outside of the abs, because that doesn't count for me because that's the most interesting series to me. But outside of that, it's Toronto, Tampa and LA Edmonton, which are rematches of last year. And both team, both of those series are fascinating, especially Edmonton, LA, because I, I'd have LA winning that series. I, I would almost say like with the way LA's playing, I wouldn't be shocked if they get it done in five. But that, that's also the thing is that the, the Oilers are playing well, too. Like, they're not just rolling over and dying. And you look at how they've done in the last little bit. They had their win streak snapped against Vegas in overtime. They, had, they got dragged to overtime by San Jose and Arizona recently. But they put up a nice win against Dallas, against Seattle. But the Kings, they, they've just got it down to a science. Dude, right the Kings now. are good. They're a good team. We gave them a lot of crap. We were wrong. This is a scary team. I don't know if they have the over-the-top cup talent, but in a playoff series, that's a tough team to get rid of. They're sound defensively. Their offensive talent's there. Their power play is fucking awesome. Um, And Kevin Fiala has given them that second score outside of Anze Kopitar. And Kempe has, what, like 34 goals now this year? Yeah, he's he's up to 34. I mean, my thing with the Kings is like, oh, they don't have the guy. They kind of do. Kopitar's just been his old self this season as 
Like I know Crosby got voted most complete player as he should. I'd say Kopitar is definitely up there. Even at 35, Kevin Fiala is going to, is going to hit probably 70 points. He might even hit it tonight with the Kings at five goals already. I haven't checked the people who've scored, but, and Kempe, he might make a push for 40. If he gets really hot late in the season, he's going to at least come close. Like they've got guys like this is a good deep team. And I'd be pretty happy to play the, play them in the third round rather than than early on. I think the abs can beat them, but, they've given us trouble this season they have they're a good team man they're a good team i think their speed their defensive structure works pretty well drew dowdy's turned back into the drew dowdy of last year of a couple years ago i also think if dowdy doesn't get hurt last year they probably beat edmonton in the first round last year we kind of just right over like they went to seven against edmonton last year as a team that we did not expect to make the playoffs and was in a weak division. So we're like, ah, someone's got to have that spot. They gave Edmonton all they could handle. And what was a, a strange high scoring series. I don't think we're going to get that this time. The no. this Kings team, they've got it right now. And if a lot of their guys continue to grow, like Quinton Byfield, only 20, if he continues to grow into a decent player, that's another threat on that team. Fiala's only 26. I thought Philip Deneau was like, 37 he's like 29 isn't he he's he's 30 like a fresh 30 arvidson's not even 30 like guys like alex ayafalo trevor moore like these are good players like it's not the sexiest team in the world but corpus ever since he's come in he's gotten them i have to find his stats he's been a 929 in granted five games but that's been the problem is they've never got saves all season this is they're good they're They're really good good And it would just be beautiful to have Vegas and them match up in the second round and you get Jonathan. I, I don't think they'd start Jonathan quick. I think they'd go Logan Thompson if he's healthy, but it would be just. Well, you, know, you know how that would go, right? Is they start Logan Thompson in the series, he gets torched. And then all of a sudden when the series shifts to LA, Jonathan quick plays his first game against the Kings ever. And it's in the playoffs with Vegas. Can, I need that. That is a storyline that writes itself. Like that's incredible. You already know that's going to happen and he's going to win both of them in LA. Yep. You need it. But the West is shaping up to be pretty solid. The East is going to be, this could be one of the better playoffs we've had. Uh, like I think the teams like in the East, it's, I, I think the top ends better. The top six is way better than the top eight. I, I would not be shocked if in the West, like I just talked up how Vegas is playing good. And if the abs get first, like, I could see Seattle or Winnipeg giving Vegas like a tougher series than we expect. The better wild card teams are in the West. That is without question. Winnipeg is good. They've they just haven't been able to put it together over the last couple of games. We've seen in the playoffs before a team that had a strong regular season and kind of tapers off towards the end. Sometimes they just wake up in the playoffs and then do some real damage. Like Vegas, they're probably going to end up with that top seed, but Winnipeg is going to be a tough out for them or if it ends up being seattle as well like this might be controversial i think i've even said this before it's like i would not be thrilled about playing seattle in round one no, no. i think, I think we're going like if the abs end up winning the division they're they're gonna face seattle it's seattle and... or winnipeg in the first round if you end yeah. up winning the division and i would much rather play winnipeg not 100 not because we can't beat seattle i think we would but there is nothing to gain from that series. You have to win that series. It's, I think I, I think we actually did have this exact conversation is you have to stomp 
them because they're just going to keep coming back. Game they have nothing to lose. Game. They're nothing not supposed to be lose. here right now. That I think that is the perfect matchup for them is oh, playing yeah. the apps, the defending champs. We're the expansion team in our second year. We This could not be a better scenario. We've already made the playoffs. What else do you want from us? We're just going to go out there and have the time of our lives against the defending champs. Because even if they sweep us, people are going to applaud us just because we made it this far. If they win a game, they're going to lose their mind. I think Vegas at least has stakes for them because that's like the two expansion teams. Right. And they're in that division, which would probably put a little pressure on. But that's still tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting big like 2003 vibes when the Avs lost to the Wild in the first round or second round. I can't remember what round it was. It was game seven. They lost to Minnesota. I was um, yeah, it, it, that's how it feels because the Wild were still the upstart team in that series. Like they, they were the plucky underdogs and they played like they had absolutely nothing to lose. And that's what scares me about Seattle. Seattle, like I agree. I think we, we should beat them in five, but they're a pesky team, man. Like they play a good defensive style hockey. I'd be interested to see how they play in the playoffs, but it's not like it's a bunch of young kids. Like they have a lot of players on that team who have played in the playoffs before a couple of them have won cups. Like it, it, it's not a young, like up and coming team. Like they have experience. It would actually break my heart to play the Kraken in the first round. For- oh, cause you know that Berkey's back for that. Like he's you know he's back. absolutely going to be back for that. Like I would be watching that series, obviously cheering for the abs, but also just like, with a hand on my temple the whole time. It's like, I can't fucking believe this is happening. Yeah. We have, have to, to be play bad. first year. Berkey's not on one of my teams. I have to play him. <laughs> first round. And, and he, he had like four you, goals. And, and you be... know, and you know, he's going to go off in that series. They haven't had Berkey for weeks and they're still doing just fine. I think it's been months at this point now. Yeah. He's been out for a long time. Fantasy team would tell you. Yeah. So, but we'll see, man. Playoffs are coming. They're right around the corner. Two and a half weeks away. That fourth line, Tanev, Donato, and Sprong, like that's good. And all of them have over 10 goals. How is this the fourth line? Tanev is 15. Donato is 13. Sprong has 19. This is the fourth line on Seattle? What the it's hell? It's a good team, man. Yeah. It's a good team. Like, like This, this is going to be a fun playoffs. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, And we'll have to wait and see. But it's going to be a hell of a playoffs, and I can't wait to get there. Yeah, this is going to be... A lot of fun. It's up in the air, whether it's going to be Minnesota or Dallas, if the abs don't win the division, it's kind of shaping up to be Dallas just because of how Minnesota is playing. Dallas is five and five in their last 10 Minnesota's six and four abs are eight and two, or if it's going to be Seattle or Winnipeg, usually you have a pretty good idea of who it's going to be. Last year was just, we were waiting until the very last day for Dallas or uh, a national national blue, a four, nothing lead against Arizona. I, I remember that's so I don't know if I've ever told the story on the podcast, but obviously we had the the catfish guys on for our preview episode of that series. When Nashville was up for nothing in Arizona, I was talking to our Dallas guys being like, OK, looks like we're going to end up playing you guys. W- uh, what days work for you for a preview episode? And w- we were working out a time and we agreed to like, let's do this day. And we both had to go like, uh, good luck in your series. I guess. <laughs> yeah. It was so, so funny because I was actively making plans for playing Dallas in round one and just didn't work that way. Didn't work that way, but we'll, yeah, we won't know till the last day. Like that, that game against Nashville is going to be a very, it's either going to be like not Nashville is playing their way out of the playoffs. They're probably dead at this point um, with those Five two points this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Five yeah. points back with two games in hand that 
they're not good enough to make the playoffs, but they're they're in the race. Yeah, they're in the race. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a hell of a ride coming down. These next two weeks are going to be awesome hockey. Um, but overall, the Avs get two gritty wins. I think it's the best way to describe those games against the Coyotes. Quick tune-up against Anaheim uh, tonight by the time you're listening to this, and then a big, big game against Minnesota. Um, I can't wait for them. I know you can't wait for them, but uh, I don't think I have anything else for this episode. No, I think we're all set for this one. Like you said, Avs get two wins against the Coyotes, and by the time you're listening to this, a game tonight against Anaheim, and then the big one, the big playoff preview against Minnesota on Wednesday in Colorado. It's going to be a great game. And then again, we'll be back to talk about this one beforehand, but playing Dallas on Saturday, it's like having these back-to-back is almost too perfect, right? Like it just, it had to be this way. So we'll talk to you guys then. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. But until then, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go Abs. <laughs>